In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the second Sunday of the month of Beba, and we hear the story of the Lord calling St. Peter to be an apostle. And this happened in a, in a very curious and interesting way. Um, before the Lord just came to St. Peter and he asked him to be an apostle, he performed a miracle which seemed to be initially completely unrelated to the calling. Um, the, the, the fishermen, including St. Peter, had been out all night toiling, trying to catch fish, and they were unable to do so. Um, and the Lord, when he came, he asked them if he could use their boat so he could preach to the people um, from a distance so that everyone could hear him. And St. Peter, out of his obedience and submission to Christ, he agreed to do so, even though he would probably much more rather have gone home to rest because he was exhausted from having spent all night trying to fish and catching nothing, even being demoralized and disappointed at all of the work that he had done all night. And yet when the Lord asked that he would come to him and use his boat, St. Peter agreed. After this, um, the, uh, the Christ told him to go out to catch, if he wants to catch fish, he should go out into the deep and he would cast his net and he would catch the fish. Of course, St. Peter, he, he listened, even though, again, he had no reason really to believe this man um, who was not a fisherman, who didn't know exactly what was happening. So, but he went and he did it, and he caught uh, a miraculous catch of fish, so much that they could barely bring the boat back because of all the fish that they had caught. And then in this moment, the, the St. Peter, we read about him, that he bows down to Christ, and he says, "What well, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And this maybe is a reaction that we wouldn't have expected. Maybe we would have expected St. Peter to be thankful, to say thank you God for all of the fish you have given me, to say how is it that you were able to do this miracle, to go and to speak to other people about what is it that was done, to be joyful because now he has all this fish that he can sell. So many different types of reactions we might have expected from St. Peter. But maybe not this one, the one where after seeing this miraculous catch, he bows down to his knees and he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. So somehow this experience that St. Peter had, even though there was no rebuke, Saint Christ did not rebuke him from any way. He didn't come to him and say, Peter, I know um, that you are living a sinful life. I, I know that you have some actions you have done or anything like that. There is no indication at all of the sin of St. Peter here or what even he was referring to. Simply in the presence of Christ, seeing the miraculous catch of fish, seeing the, the sermons of Christ, seeing the power of Christ, and in everything that the Lord did, this moved St. Peter to repentance so that he would bow down to the ground and he would ask for forgiveness from Christ. So we can speak a little bit about what is it that makes us aware of our sin. Maybe this encounter with Christ, even though there was nothing directly spoken about rebuke or sin or commandments or anything, but made St. Peter to be aware of that he was a sinful man and that he does not even deserve the things that Christ is doing for him. And so we can ask this question is, what makes us aware of sin? What makes me aware of the sin that is in my life? The first is the Lord's gentleness and long-suffering, meaning to be treated better than what we deserve. And maybe this is what St. Peter experienced in that moment. As he saw the compassion of Christ, he saw his mercy, he saw his love, he saw all that Christ was doing for him. And so in, in a moment of that conviction, he felt like I am unworthy and un undeserving that you would come to me and that you would offer me this miracle and that you would grant me this. I am unworthy of it. And that would move him to a sense of repentance and to considering his own life and, and being aware of the sins that he committed. 
Another example of this is the adulterous woman who was caught in the act of adultery and who was brought out into public so that she could be stoned. And then in that moment, when the Lord had compassion on her, he said to everyone, let him who is without sin be the one to throw the stone at her first. And so in that moment, actually, through an example of Christ's patience and mercy, every single person there became aware of their sin. Not just the woman herself who was aware of her sin and was receiving mercy from Christ, but actually every single person with a stone in their hand who was ready to stone this woman became aware of their own sin simply by observing the mercy of Christ, simply by being asked such a question. Christ did not rebuke them directly. He did not come and attack them with violence or aggression or with his words or, or with a threatening or any sermon that he said. He simply said, examine yourselves. Who of you is without sin? Let him be the first to throw the stone. And then it says, every one of them gradually walked away. It says, um, those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one. And so it was, uh, it was very interesting for us to see how everyone became convicted of their sin and only by seeing the mercy of Christ. When Christ treats us better than what we deserve, this should be something that, yes, we are joyful in this, but it should also make us examine our hearts. Who am I? Am I really deserving of this? Is God giving me what I deserve? Or maybe he is giving me far beyond what I deserve. The second, um, the second way that we might become aware of our sins is the consequences of our sinful life. A very good example of this is the story of the prodigal son, which we speak about often. It says about him that once he reached his lowest points in his life, after he had squandered all of his money away, it says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. So in this moment, this man, he realized the depth of sin that he had fallen into because of the consequence that he was experiencing because of what we what he experienced in in his own uh in his own failures and his own mistakes and everything that he had done and what were the consequences of it he realized the depth of sin when he realized that there was no nowhere else he could go he was given every freedom he was given every opportunity he was given every resource and it is by his own choices that he destroyed all of those things and so in that moment he had a heart of repentance to return again to the father so also when we see someone who is living a life away from god and we want to bring them back again maybe we find that our efforts fail maybe we find that continual advice and guidance and please come and why are you living a life this way and you sh this is wrong the way that you're living is wrong and so on maybe we we say this often to people who are living a life away from god but maybe the only way for some people to return is to reach to this point of um, realizing the consequences of their own sins after I have fallen and after I have suffered the consequence of sin now maybe for the first time I'm willing to return I'm, I'm able to consider and to realize truly that I of the one was wrong all along so this is the second way that we become aware of our sins the third is observing the same sin in other people when we see someone else falling into sin and seeing the consequences of their lives we learn something from them that maybe will cause us to take a turn, to change, before we get down the road to where they are, to the end of the road where they experience those worst consequences. Just simply observing their life and the path that it is going is something that should warn us so that we do not walk down the same road. 
In Psalm 91, it says, A thousand may fall at your, right si at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Meaning those people who are wicked will receive the consequence of their wickedness, and those people who are righteous will look upon them and observe them and see what is happening to them only with their eyes. Meaning they will not experience that themselves because they are righteous and they are not committing the same sins as they are. So when we observe the consequences of the mistakes and the sins of other people, this is another way that God gives us a gentle warning. He says, look, see, this is what will happen if you continue down this road. Don't, don't continue walking this way because you've seen other people who would fall before you and what happens to them. So this is the third way we are aware of our sins by observing the consequence of sin in other people. The fourth way to be, that we are aware of our sins is the rebuke that we receive from those who are sent to us by God. In Proverbs 12:15, it says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. The person who is able to see that, there is, that, that, that they are maybe not objective, that there is someone else who is more objective than them, who is coming and looking at their life and their situation and saying, here is what you should do. Here is the path that you should walk. When, when I receive guidance or rebuke um, or direction from others who are wise counsel to me, then I benefit because maybe I am kind of have a blind spot and I'm not really aware of what I'm doing or why I, or, or, or the, the ultimate consequence of the path that I am walking. But God sends me a person who will shed light on my situation so that I can understand, so that I can take a, a right action and stop this process from continuing to the end. Um, a very good example of this is um, uh, King David. King David, he re re received rebukes from, from different people. In all kinds of situations, he received rebuke. He received rebuke from Nathan the prophet after he committed the sin with Bathsheba. And immediately when Nathan the prophet came to him, he recognized he recognized that he had fallen and he was willing to change. He also received rebuke indirectly from God through a man who was cursing him, um, who his name was Shimi. And when this man was cursing King David, um, King David said, let him curse because the Lord has said to him, curse David. Who then shall say, why have you done so? Imagine if we consider that every time someone mistreated us, that God was allowing this for our humility, that God was allowing this for my good, and that this is actually of benefit to me. Maybe this is difficult for us to accept. Oftentimes we, we redirect our focus and our energy toward that person who is insulting us, and we maybe grow in anger or hatred for that person, and all we care about is for them to stop. But here what King David did is he said, maybe God wants me to hear these words. Maybe he wants me to hear to be cursed. Maybe he wants me to be humble. Maybe he wants me to, to consider that I am, I am not entitled or deserving of good things, and it is God is the one who has mercy on me. So sometimes we become aware of our sin because of, our, of the rebuke of other people. If I am wise, then I receive that rebuke and consider it, and I think about it and say, is this true what this person is saying? Maybe even to ask other people to say, is this true or not, before I jump to defending myself and to rejecting it. The last way that we um, become aware of the sin in our lives is by observing holiness in the life of others. You know, we mentioned observing sin in the life of others, but also observing holiness. 
Sometimes when we read the scripture and we see all of the ways that, that God has called us to live and how to love our enemies and pray for our enemies and how to forgive one another and how to, how to be kind of putting ourselves last and, and, and all the ways that we always speak about how we have to live, sometimes we read these words so often that they lose kind of meaning for us. What is it that this is really saying? How is it is that this is practical? How does this look like in real life? In a real life, in a real world situation, what does this actually look like and how is it that I should live it out? So when we see someone who is living a holy life, who is uh, embodying virtue in themselves and living according to the life of virtue, we can see that this person actually maybe is a model of what the scripture is saying. How is it that we should live when we imitate this person? You know, St. Paul always spoke about telling the people to imitate him because he was living the gospel and so he would tell the people, imitate me. You want to understand what does it mean to live the gospel? Imitate me. You want to see what it means to be self-sacrificial? Imitate me. I have given up everything. You want to see what it means to be detached from the world? He said, what? I, I've left it all behind so that I may gain Christ. Imitate me. This is what we observe in him, and we learn what it means to be holy, not just through the commandment, not just through the, the preaching, but through the example of people who are holy. Evagrius of Pontus, he said, do not merely speak with pleasure about the deeds of the fathers, but demand of yourself also the great accomplishment of the same and great labors. Meaning when we read about the righteous people in the history of the church or the saints, when we read the Synexarian in the liturgy, what should my focus be? It should not just be, um, well, let me learn their story. Although learning the story, of course, is valuable, but it is how can I live like them? How can I have the same faith that they had? How can I have the same virtue they had? And so God places in front of our eyes examples of holy people so that we can understand truly what Christ meant by love, truly what Christ meant by faith, truly what Christ meant by, by living not for ourselves but for someone else. And this is another way we become aware of our deficiencies when I see other people living truly to the fullness of the message of the gospel. So we spoke today about five points about how we can be aware of our sins. The first was the Lord's gentleness and long-suffering. When we see his mercy and compassion and love for us, we um, are moved with repentance. The consequences of a sinful life, whenever we experience those consequences in our own life, um, this might cause us to return. Or observing those consequences in other people, when we see them as well, we might turn. Rebuke of those sent to us by God, meaning God is sending someone to give us a message that we should heed, and then finally observing the holiness and the life of others. So as St. Peter realized his sinfulness, when he saw the miracles of Christ, when he saw the gift that Christ had given him, and he bowed down to the feet of Christ and said, I am a sinful man, depart from me. Also, we should examine ourselves and see what in us is, is, is sinful. And that when Christ shows us compassion and mercy and love, that we also should look inside and say, I am unworthy even of these gifts that God is giving. And glory be to God forever. Amen.